Right. So we're doing, again, like I said, we're doing promotion. And I kind of feel uh, since yesterday, I want to just share, uh, it's a very short prophetic word that I believe the Lord gave me. And I think it's something that we can all take note of. The, the Lord shared with me early on in the year, I think I shared maybe with Ryan and Alex weeks ago or something like that, that um, the Lord shared with me uh, on this issue on promotion, He, he shared with me that um, our, our nation, Namibia, we need to be careful because the, the spirit that's in South Africa that's causing strikes will cross the borders into our nation and will start producing the same strikes uh, that we are seeing in South Africa. Um, so, and, and the reason for that is because of the, the big divide that there is in, uh, between the rich getting richer and the poor and the poverty problem that we have. And obviously, uh, this word that I had is before I even read the newspapers or anything like that. So this was early on in the year at the time that I got the, the message on the promotion. So I kind of just feel to, felt yesterday to, that I should, I should just say that. And uh, so I'm saying that and we'll see what happens. Um, or every prophetic word is, is, uh, must be discerned. And, and uh, so, but that's what I felt I received from the Lord and, and that's what I'm saying. And I think, and after I read the newspapers, I don't know if it was in this week or something like that, but uh, then I just began to realize the things that the Lord has been saying to me. So uh, we, need to, we need to make sure that, that we uh, are careful in this area. Okay, uh, let's give me Genesis 1 verses 26 again. Please excuse me, I'm just going to leave my cell phone on, on uh, not loud, but uh, Ethan at home has is, is got uh, bronchitis, so and they have fast breathing and they don't get proper oxygen, and usually at this stage they tend to get taken up in hospital, so just in case my wife needs to, amen, okay, right, so... Genesis 1 verses 26, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And uh, I shared with you last week that God created everything. He separated the waters from the waters from above and beneath, put in the middle of it a firmament, which he called the heaven. The Bible says, and then he gathered all the waters that were under the firmament heaven into one place and he called it sea. And then the dry land appeared and then he called the dry land earth. And then he made grass also and all these things and, uh, and then plants. And, and so then he created animals and the fish and the beasts of the field. And, and lastly he created man. 
and he put him in the environment that he built for him right so everything that God created was for this man that he was going to put on the earth and so and in the environment that God put man he put him in that environment to represent him be his image so and the reason I said that was because it doesn't matter where you find yourself whether you are in a school whether you are in a bank whether you're in government whether you're in science uh, the medical world whether you're in business whether you're working for someone it doesn't matter where you find yourself your your calling is to be the image of God in that environment or in that sphere of where you find yourself so God then calls you to represent him right your calling is to represent him that is the main calling of the church of the believer of the saint wherever I find myself my I have a calling God called me to be his image God called me to be his representative that's the one of the meanings for the Hebrew word of image means representative okay and uh, so wherever you find yourself in that place God is asking you to be his representative and if you're going to be God's representative you have to know what what is God's view on things and so we we have to if what's the word that I maybe want to use our our understanding of God ele, elevate it or or broaden it I think is the better word broaden our understanding of God when we because we limit God to only this church gathering setting and therefore we can only ask God about these spiritual things most people in the church can only ask God about you know um, what's how's my relationship what's am I still sinning or something like that they can't seem to accept that God can be with them in work and seem to find God in work right you're with me so and because of that we we can't function with God there in our work and uh, so we have to so the only place we feel we can find God is in a setting like this where we are all here where we sing songs and we enter the presence or you go home your quiet time that you have with the Lord uh, and read the Bible and these type of things and so you feel you can find God and the, one of the reasons for that is because we uh, we are, we connect with when I feel God God is with me right as we have said the tangible presence of God uh, if I feel if I sense God then I know God is with me and if you are someone if you are someone who who thrives on emotional experience then if you haven't had an emotional experience with God for weeks you would be struggling with with the fact that is God with me does God still love me does God still care are you here with me 
you would be struggling with something like that. And uh, because the only time you feel God is with you is if you feel Him, sense Him, experience Him, have an emotional experience. And so you need to, you need to sort of stop running on emotions. And as long as you're running on emotions, then you are, one minute you're on a high with God, and the next minute you're on a low with God. One minute you f- you're having a wonderful time with God, and you, you're happy because you experience God, but now for three weeks you haven't experienced God, so now you're sad, you're down. Uh, that type of uh, mentality. You need to... Uh, you need to get away from emotional experience. Okay? And um, so, f- for example, g- give me Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17, verses 1. <clears throat> so, our problem is, is that we want to stay there the whole time. Um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think you, you should be addicted to God. You should be pursuing God, you know. But let's just read the scripture. Now, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. Uh, next one. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun. His clothes became... And his clothes became as white as the light. Next one. And the old Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with them. Okay? So you can imagine if you were there, you, you've read of Elijah, you've read of Moses... You didn't love when they were living. And here's this powerful encounter, this powerful moment in experience, right? An experience. And now, um, obviously, you know, when you're experiencing God, only, you know, you want to stay there almost indefinitely. You just want to, you don't want to come out as we can linger and linger and linger. And you just want to stay there. And uh, so the next one, verses 4. And Peter answered and said, Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. You see, so now Peter wants to stay in that encounter. He wants to go up the mountain. He wants to go down and be able to come back up that mountain and just park there. This is his tent. This is the place he wants to come to this encounter again. Okay, next one. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. Next one. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. Next one. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise. Do not be afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. So that's a Jesus only teaching. <laughs> okay, just focus on Jesus. 
leave Elijah and Moses alone in the literal context and so on. Okay, next one. And now as they came down from the mountain, so Jesus took them down the mountain and he said, no, we're not going to put up tents here. In fact, we're not coming back here again. And then if you read the, go on and on and read on, you'll notice they never went back up to that mountain had, and had the same encounter. And you know, uh, some of you probably have prayed in your life and said, Lord, you know, in the beginning when I was saved, I had such awesome times with you. Lord, if just I can go back to the... You see, we want to go back. We don't want to move on. We don't want to move forward to something else uh, because we are attached there and we want to be there. Okay? So one of the, the reasons why I'm saying that the reason why you find maybe difficult to connect God with work and to find that God is with you in work is because you connect that God is only with you when you experience Him. That's one of the reasons why you, you want to do, uh, maybe you want to preach to someone. You want to do something like that. Or you want to come in the church setting. You know, because you want to experience God while you're do, doing something for Him. Do you all understand that? So, and as long as you have that, you might find, uh, get disappointed. Okay? You just, you need to go beyond the experience and you need to say to yourself, God is with me. Right? God is with me. I might not feel Him, but He's with me. If you know you're not sinning, you're not doing, you know, funny stuff and you're out of the will of God, you, you can clearly say, God is with me. Right? He's with me where I am. And so you need, to, you need to get that. You need to just say it. He's with me. You need to just build that into your mindset. He's with me. And then you need to just allow Him to guide you in that place. Okay. Uh, give me Matthew 5.16. Matthew 5.16. So... And as and I told you, that's why a lot of Christians say, you know, I want to leave my job to serve God. Okay? Um, but you have to serve God wherever you are. Right? Wherever you are, because it's very few people that God calls to leave their work and then to come into the church setting to minister you know, to the church, right? And uh, the rest, the rest are serving out there in the world, okay? So the fivefold ministry has a calling to the church and uh, the church has a calling to the world, right? The church has a calling to the world to represent God. And uh, so when you understand that, then you won't seek to leave Matthew 5, 16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And I said to you that you can't separate God from work. If you separate God from work, then, uh, then you can't bring God to be seen. Because God is seen by works. Let your light shine. Okay? It shines. And when it shines, means someone can see. Okay? And 
If it's shining, then it is shining because of, then they are seeing good works, and then your Father is glorified by that. So what that means is, is that wherever you find yourself in your work, God has a light for you. What is light? Knowledge, revelation. God has a light for you, for your work. God has a light that you can implement into work so that by work, it is, God is seen and glorified. Okay? So which means God can speak to you. God can um, minister to you in every area. And again, I was saying just now, I said we have to broaden our understanding of God uh, and who He is because uh, God created the bod- this body that we have. All right? He created the brain, uh, which the scientists and them are studying to, to learn Right to find information and all those type of things. So God created this brain. God created this body. God knows how this body should function. So God can speak to you. God can speak. God can give light regarding uh, in the medical field. You understand it? I mean, if you read the if you read the the book and maybe listen to tapes of uh, Caroline Leaf, and how she's saying that more and more. The, the people in the medical field are, are coming to see that the Bible is actually true because they are seeing that, that things like unforgiveness and jealousy and these type of things affect your physical health. And so now, so they're moving, tending to moving away from just giving you um, medicine but their medicine might be laughter. Proverbs says laughter is like medicine. The book of Proverbs says um, that envy is like rottenness to the bones. Right? A broken spirit dries up the bones. So these, so it's coming from your soulish, your soulish realm that it's affecting your health. Okay? So the way you think and so on. So, uh, and what is... What is nice for me about Caroline Leaf is, is how she's taking scripture and the scripture told, us no, told her that no, what they are saying, she doesn't agree with it. You all understand? So the way you were born, you can't change that. It's just fixed. But she said, no, but the Bible says, uh, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So it, if I change the way I think, I should change the way I am. You see, so, and they said, no, if that's the way you are, that's the way you stay. You can't change that. And that scripture challenged her. So she, based on that scripture, she went and still did further studies on the subject. And so it changed. So you have to see that God can, God can give you advice uh, as a teacher. God can give you advice in banking. God can give you advice in, in all these type of things. And so, which means you have to read the scripture totally different. Okay, you have to read the scriptures totally different. I keep saying it and I'll say it and then I believe it. I keep saying it and I will keep saying it. The, the Bible can teach you about everything. Okay? It may not tell you, for example, um, 
what's the word, take this land, buy this land, start that business, or may not say those type of things, but it, as we are seeing, the Bible is full of principles for work. Um, the Bible is full of principles for government. They are, if you study the Bible, you can see different forms of government. Right? Um, so the Bible is, is just how you read it. But the, because we, we spiritualize everything, uh, when we read the Bible, we can only see that sheep is saints. When you see a shepherd with his flock of sheep, all you can see is that's the pastor with his church members. You interpret like that and there's nothing wrong with that. But you couldn't see that back then that's business. Right? That's business. Or if you were looking at, uh, what's his name, Noah. After the flood, Noah had a, Noah planted a vineyard. And he got drunk from the vineyard. And then, so if you were, if you spiritualize that and put it into a church setting like this, it's brilliant because New Testament says who plants a vineyard doesn't eat the fruit thereof. And in the context how Paul used it, it was the vineyard was symbolic of the church. Who plants a vineyard? Who plants a church? And then who doesn't have the right out of what he plants to eat and to live off what he plants? Right? So there it's spiritualized in that sense. But you can take Noah a vineyard. It's business. You see, but it just depends how you read it. For example, there's the other scripture where it says, do you all know that scripture where it says, the kingdom of God is as a net which is thrown into the sea. And it gathers all different types of fishes, both good and bad. You know? And then you separate them. You separate them. And then as you separate them, you, you throw away the, the, the bad and you keep the good. You bring a divide. And, and so is the kingdom of God, maybe at the end of the age. Now when you read that, okay, now you're looking, okay, fish is what? Souls. Okay, if you're thinking um, so symbolic or into the church, you would think fish is souls. Now you would say, yeah, many times when we throw our gospel, the net, out into the sea, which is the world, because the Bible says the seas is the nations of the world in the book of Revelation. So throw my net, the gospel, which catches the fish. Then I say, no, there's good and bad. So you know, many times, some people give their lives to the Lord because of pressure. Everyone Now they also need to give their life to the Lord. And then they are not actually good fish. They are like frogs. Because when they are babies, they look just like fish. But when they grow up, they, they take a different shape. Right? They start jumping around from one pond to the other pond. From one church to the other church and all those type of things. Right? You understand? So we can spiritualize again, but if you took it business, right? Someone had a boat, took his boat out, threw out his net, caught his fish. Hey, this fish is not good for business. 
It's bad fish. We need good quality of the product that we present to people. Then you see, hey, you can actually apply it there and you can take out the principle of quality control or something like that. You'll understand it. So you can apply. You see, it's the way you read the scripture. It's the way you, you know, maybe you, you know, you've all got different glasses. You've all got dark shade glasses and, and some of you've got reading glasses. And, you know, so you say, okay, I want to know about government. Then I read. I put on those glasses. I look at it that way. All those type of things. You all understand what I'm saying? Um, so it's the way you look at uh, the scriptures. It's the way you read it that it, helps, that it helps you to find answers for what you seek. And uh, so, uh, so you've got to broaden your understanding about God and the scriptures and that it can be applied in, in different settings. It gives principles, right? Okay, so and when I see that, then I will find light. And I'll find light that I can apply into work. And then God can be glorified thereby. Okay? So you, you need to just look at Scripture differently. Um, so let's go to Proverbs 13 verses 4. So and I said to you, so if you can't, if you can't separate God from work... Then, um, then you've got to understand that God is with you in your work, in your workplace. And I explained to you that secular, the word secular means to be non-spiritual. And it means to be non-religious. Okay? And so if you're doing work without God, you are secular. And this is where we get the word secular art, secular music, secular... Um, business, all these things, because it's called secular. Why? Because it's music without God. It doesn't have God in it. It's art that doesn't have God in it. Right? Okay, it's business that doesn't have God's principles in it. So, um, and God doesn't want us to be secular. God wants us to have Him with us in His work. You all understand that. God wants to be in. God wants to be involved. Right? God knows that He's seen through work. So God has to be involved in with whatever we do. With whatever we do. Now, obviously, if I use the word work, I'm not necessarily meaning that it's in your workplace. It applies there. But if you, if for example, if you get love, if you don't put love into work, it can be seen. Right? If you don't show love, it can't be seen. You understand? You may carry that knowledge, but if you don't put it in, it can't be seen. Do you all understand that? So, for example, if the, if, the Bible says, if the Bible says love is patient, and you're just so impatient, we can never see that love. And if God is love, we can't see that. So, um, so if I'm going to make God visible, and the Bible says God is patient, then I have to build patience into me, because that is how God is seen in me, as I am patient towards others. I mean, uh, I mean I've mean, i had 
um, many people say to me, it's just your patience that you have with, with me. You know, and they start crying and say, I, I just saw the Lord in that. The way you are so patient. Okay? Um, so patience or these attributes of God have to be brought into our life so that God can be made visible and seen. Do you understand that? So if you don't put it into work, you can't be seen. So if you understand that God is seen in work, then you know, then you know God is against laziness. God is against laziness. Because the soul of the lazy man desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. So you lazy, but you desire many things. You lazy, but you want things. You, you want spiritual things in your life, but you lazy. You want uh, physical things in your life, material things, but you lazy. You don't want to learn. You don't want to educate yourself. You don't want to increase in learning. You don't want to uh, discipline yourself to do certain things. You're lazy. So if you're lazy, you will desire your whole life and never have. But the diligent, that means the hard worker. Diligent in the, in the Hebrew also means the one who makes decisions and the one who is determined and is, has determination to go and pursue after the decision he has made with hard work. So uh, the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. So if you are diligent, if you are hard working in your spiritual life, you will be made spiritually rich. If you are hard working in your work, you will reap the fruits thereof. So if you understand that God is seen in work, then laziness shouldn't be a part of your life. Laziness, God hates laziness, right? Because God, as you see, if you study God in the Bible, you will see God's always working. God's always doing something. God's always moving. God's always saying something. It's just, are we hearing? Right? So you can't have laziness. Laziness is not something, if you are lazy, you are not revealing God because God is not lazy. Do you understand that? So uh, you will have desires to achieve to be somebody for God but if you are not diligent hard working make your decision stick to your decision go after it a hard working and pursue it and are determined to go after it then you are not going to see what you are desiring okay then you are wishing okay then you can get the, the Christmas uh, wishbone Okay, make a wish. Okay, so having what you want is not only about believing the prophetic word. Right, I believe what God told me about my life. If you just believe, you're not going to... Uh, when is your faith going to work? James says, faith without works is dead. So you can't just have faith and not work. You understand? You can't just have faith and not move in the direction of what God uh, has said to you. Do you understand that? So, if God says increase, then what are you doing? Because that's how prophetic words come to pass, especially when their season has arrived. When the season has arrived for that prophetic word, 
then it's time to work that word into the earth. To do things to make it come to pass, otherwise it's not going to come to pass. You understand? So you need to work, work. Laziness is not, God doesn't like laziness. There's many scriptures in Proverbs. I don't want to give you all those scriptures about laziness. Okay? But laziness, you can't um, be lazy and then want things. Okay? Right. So now, let's go to 1 John 2.27. 1 John 2.27 And then I think I ended off with speaking about the anointing. The anointing when I said to you that we don't need to move away from there um, our original understanding. We just need to broaden our understanding of the anointing. For example, the only time you feel someone is anointed is if when he prays and people fall over. And that's why many times preachers or whoever they are they call itinerary preachers or can be a pastor, doesn't matter. When he prays, you're standing like this and he's pushing you almost over and you're like a khanifali and he's like Take it, take it, take it. And, you know, he's pushing you over. Uh, because if someone falls over, anointing. Oh, I'm anointed. Do you understand? And while, while someone can fall over without you even touching them, um, so you would say, you would think of if someone falls over, there's an anointing. And that, that can be true, Right? Uh, or if someone get healed, it's an anointing. It's a powerful anointing. And we need, I don't want to cancel any of it. We need that, right? But if you can't see anointing as more than that, then you might never feel anointed. Okay, you might never feel that you are empowered because what is an anointing? It's equipment that God gives you. It's uh, an empowerment that God gives you to accomplish a task. So whatever task God has given to you, God has anointed you or empowered you to accomplish it. So if someone is called to heal the sick, um, while we all can pray and, and someone can get healed, it might not just be as frequent as someone who is consistently in it. Um, he is, you, you know, his ministry, he's called by God after his initial calling. He's called by God to bring this, this uh, facet of the anointing to people so that people can get healed. And so his predominant flow is he heals. He prays for people, they get healed and so on. Right? Um, so, You need to understand uh, that anointing is more than that. Okay? Anointing is what God has given to you. And so you need to then discern your anointing or know how to use your anointing in your workplace. Okay? So, but the anointing which you have received from Him abides in you and you do not need that anyone teach you but as the same anointing teaches you 
you concerning all things and is true and it is not a lie just as has taught you you will abide in him okay that doesn't mean that no one can teach you okay what but the the main point i want to take out there is the anointing teaches the anointing teaches you so in other means the anointing can teach you in your work remember teaching is light the anointing teaches you it can it can inform you it can guide you it can speak to you so and when anointing teaches a person and that person lives out that teaching or puts it into work salama met me right i teach the anointing teaches okay for example say i've learned that when i'm at my workplace i'm not a worker i'm a servant i serve so i understand that concept and that thing and then i apply it in i apply it okay then my anointing that i have is seen so omo omo with me take take for example how do you uh learn about the jezebel spirit how would you learn about a jezebel spirit you would go study the person jezebel in the bible because every spirit reveals itself in the flesh okay so in other words the way jezebel operated tells me how that spirit that is working through her operates okay so uh so for example the name jezebel means uncovenanted or the doesn't she's married jezebel is married to ahab but she doesn't know how to live as if she is married now that can be a man or a woman okay because a spirit doesn't operate only that spirit doesn't only operate in a female so it can be a man or a woman and it can be wherever it's connected to authority you don't know how to covenant you don't know how to submit you don't know how to stick you usurp the authority you take over the authority so the jezebel spirit then struggles to be under but always wants to be on top always wants to be the one who takes over that position because it right so in so when you look at that it is through the person that you studying i am coming to learn of a jezebel spirit okay how that spirit functions and operates so if i want to know about the the false prophetic i study balam balam was a prophet but he used divination to prophesy so i study balam how he functioned and then i will get a modern day picture of how the modern prof false prophets function 
Okay? So if I want to know about people, uh, certain people in the church, the Bible says the book of Jude, these people have gone in the way of Cain or Korah. Korah. So what is, how do these people operate? Then I study Korah because the book of Jude says that today in the church there are people who are like Korah or who are like Cain or who are like Balaam. So I study Korah in the Old Testament. Then I will know how those people function in today's church. So again, Korah was the one who was in rebellion to Moses and Aaron. Okay? They wanted to take over leadership. They, they have famous words. So if you have people in a church who says to you, um, who says to you, why are you doing too much or doing everything? In a sense, and because that's what Korah said to Moses. And he says, God is not only with you, he's also with us. We are also holy. Alright? We are also holy. God also speaks to us. Why are you the one telling us what to do? So, and in church, it's common to have, it's common to have that kind of spirit. I mean, I was, uh, years back, I went to a cell group, wasn't connected to any uh, local church, and then we wanted to do, uh, they wanted to do some things together, and so it was different people coming together, and when it was different people coming together, and then at the end of the day, someone asked, okay, who's going to lead now? And the, and the one person said, no, but we are all equal in the eyes of the Lord. That's not necessary that someone should lead. And when I heard that, I said, that this is Korah. This is Korah here. Because Korah says we're all equal. Why should someone lead? Now the Bible says, that in the New Testament, the book of Jude, that today in the church, there are still such people. And they, they are operating in the way of Korah. His ways. Way means the course of life, the way he functions. Do you all understand that? I'm but, um, going over this thing because I want to I want to talk about anointing and I want you to be able to see how we can study a person to study the anointing. So I study Jesus and I can study the anointing. How it operated through him. How, it, how did he do his... How does that anointing of healing, how does it work? Do you all understand that? So if I can see that, then I can learn something from the person. Okay, so give me Exodus chapter three, 31 verses, uh, we can read from verses 1. Exodus chapter 31 from verses 1. As us, verstaan jullie allemaal wat ik zeg? Okay? Um, so, it's easier to use the negative because you all will be able to quickly connect to that. Uh, if I say Jezebel, you, maybe all of you have, have heard about a Jezebel spirit and whenever they taught you about a Jezebel spirit, they used the woman Jezebel. Do you understand that? So um, that's how you come to learn about the Jezebel spirit. And so they teach you about that spirit and they use that woman. 
to teach you how that spirit functions. So I want to use people to teach you how anointing functions or different anointings. Because, uh, because we, we, we have a Pentecostal view of anointing. Okay? Pentecostal view of anointing is fire falling over, glory, presence, people's crying, people's falling over and someone taking his coat and throwing there. And, and while that, that is anointing, um, that is all we can see as anointing. And because of that, we can't take our own anointing or our anointing and use it in our workplaces. Okay. So listen, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, See, I have called by name Bazalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, and in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship. Now listen, what happened in Acts chapter 2? It's the day of Pentecost. And it is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? It is being filled with the Spirit. Is that right? If you go read it. It is being filled with the Spirit. That is what baptism. To be baptized with the Spirit is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Bible says here, this man was filled with the Spirit. Now if you think Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, Pentecost, you think anointing. When they say, baptized with the Holy Spirit. You know Jesus said, wait until you shall be filled. You shall be endued with power from on high. Wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And you know that that infilling of the Holy Spirit was to flow in the power of God. Right? It is empowerment. This Bible says, um, okay, this verse, go back. Verse 3, I have filled him with the Spirit of God. Where does the anointing come from? Who is the anointing? It's the Holy Spirit. Right? And, so if you are filled with the Spirit, what do you have? Anointing. And who did Jesus say, when the Holy Spirit will come, what will he do? He will teach you. We read 1 John 2.27 The anointing that you have received teaches you all things. Okay? Is you all with me? Right, so I have filled him with the Spirit. I have anointed him. I have equipped him. I have empowered him. I have endowed him. I have enabled him. I've graced him. Okay? That's what I've done. In wisdom, in understanding, and in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship. Okay? So, all manner of workmanship. Workmanship there in the Hebrew means occupation. It means work. Right? Give me the next one. So, so the anointing gave him wisdom, gave him understanding, gave him 
knowledge, right? About all manner of workmanship. Okay, next one. To design artistic works. So God filled him with the Spirit to design artistic works. So when someone does a design, that design could come from the Holy Spirit. I mean, you've seen some of these designs where the, with the skull and the bones going on, and say, yes, these um, devils die. Right? Some of these, you would say like that, but the Holy Spirit can teach you to design artistic works. And it says, to work in gold, in silver and in bronze. So, this guy, Bazalel, was awesome. He could, he could melt gold, work with it, clean it, purify it, shape it, mold it into whatever he wants to. He could take that gold and overlay the wood with that gold. Right? Because all the, the, the vessels in the tabernacle, like the candlestick, the table of showbread, the golden altar of incense, and then the Ark of the Covenant that's on the inside was made, was, was overlaid with gold. First in wood, they cut it out. Then they overlaid it with wood on the outside. And then on, also on the inside, that which could be on the inside. For example, the box, the Ark. Diamo met me. Okay, so and I think the candlestick was out of solid gold. I don't think it was made out of wood. So to work in gold, in silver, and in bronze, so this guy could, I don't know what you call that today, he could bend the stuff and do all types of things with it. Next, in cutting of jewels for setting, in carving of wood, your carpenter. Uh, what do you, what's the name for a guy who works with jewelry? Goldsmith? This is your modern day goldsmith. It's your modern day carpenter. The Holy Spirit filled him with wisdom, understanding, and knowledge to work with these things. Okay? And to work in all manner of workmanship. Uh, the, I think the old King James will say, and to devise all manner uh, of workmanship and so in other words to devise means to plan uh, it means to this guy could work out he could work out the plan he could think on how what to do he'd look at this and have a and say I know what we can do here uh, he could work out. It also, it also, one of the meanings, I think, for workmanship, there means inventions. So this guy could invent, come up with ideas on how to do this thing. Do you all understand that? Uh, next one. And I indeed, I have appointed with him Ahoyeliab, okay, the son of Ahisamak of the tribe of Dan, and I've put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans. Artisans, I think Alex was telling me about artisans. Yeah. Um, so, artisans, these guys, 
So, and that they may make all that I have commanded you. So, the Holy Spirit can teach you. The Bible says all manner of work. All manner of workmanship. So there is no work that the Holy Spirit cannot teach you about. And that's what you need to see. And then, and so when you do that, doesn't mean someone's going to fall over. But in that, that's anointing. That's being filled with the Spirit. Okay? Uh, what's the next one here? And the tabernacle of meeting, the ark of the testimony. Okay, yeah, we can hear the tabernacle of meeting. So with being filled, he's going to make a tabernacle. You can make tents. The ark of the testimony, the mercy seat that is on it, and all the furniture of the tabernacle. It was filled with the Spirit to make furniture. Next one. The table and its utensils. Um, the pure gold lampstand with all its utensils. The altar of incense. I think some of those things there in the second court, I think there were spoons and those type of things. So this guy could make spoons, could make forks, knives, whatever. He could put nice designs on it, those type of things. The altar burnt offering with all its utensils and the laver and its base. Next one. The garments of ministry, clothes. He made clothes. This guy, Bazalel, filled with the Spirit in all wisdom, understanding, and knowledge to do all manner of work. This guy could do clothes. Right? So what do you call the guys who make clothes today? Sorry? A tailor. Okay? So, uh, so yeah, he makes holy garments for Aaron the priest and the garments of his son to minister as priests. Now obviously, we can spiritualize this. We can make spiritual garments. Okay, and then there's lots of other scriptures that tell you, like the garment of praise. See, when you praise and you dress yourself in it, you've got a garment on. Okay, you see that. So you can do that, but we're taking it literally because if we only go in types and patterns, and then we will spiritualize everything. But literally, he did this. Uh, next one. And the anointing of oil and sweet incense for holy place. He's a, he, he makes perfume. Hmm? This guy could make perfume. Sweet incense. He could produce a fragrance that could put a fresh smell into the environment that allowed... That high priest to have access into the Holy of Holies. Okay? Do you all see that? Um, according to all that I have commanded you, they shall do. Uh, what's the next one? And the Lord spoken to us. Okay, no, that's fine. Okay. So can you see how that if your view of being anointed is only uh, in a Pentecostal paradigm, then you find it difficult. You take that. So the only way you can feel you are anointed at work is if you act like a Pentecostal. That means if you get the experience. 
If you get the experience and the Holy Spirit comes on you and you, and you go, Shikarababo ho soho. Jesus. You understand? Then you, then you want to preach the gospel. You, wanna, you understand? Or you want to say, come here, let me pray for you. Fall over. The power of God is here. And everyone, you know, then you can only function within a Pentecostal paradigm. But if, you're, if you broaden your understanding of the anointing, then you can function normal. That's why I said, if you want to know what it is to be in the Spirit, just study Jesus. I mean, Jesus was in the Spirit, but He was normal. The Bible doesn't tell, go into detail of what Jesus felt. All these type of things. Can you understand that? Okay? So, um, so we have to change our view, our perspective, or we have to broaden our understanding of uh, the Holy Spirit and the anointing and what He can teach us. Otherwise, we don't see the relevance of having the Spirit of God within our workplaces. Okay? met me. Okay? I think, give me Exodus 35, 30 to 35. And Moses said to the children of Israel, See the Lord is called by name, Bazalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. Go on. And he has filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding and in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship. Next, to design artistic works, to work in gold and silver and bronze. It's just another way you say, in cutting in jewels for setting and carving of wood, to work all manner of artistic workmanship. Next, and he has put in his heart the ability to teach in him and in him and Aholiab, the son of Aisamak of the tribe of Dan. So the Holy Spirit could teach Bazalel, and Bazalel could then teach people how to do that work. So you need to you need to really change your mindset on anointing. Otherwise, otherwise you're going to um, you're going to feel that you are not anointed. You feel that you are not filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? While the infilling of the Holy Spirit has a definite an experience. It's a separate experience from being saved. Um, come and giving your life to the Lord. So Genesis 41, 38. Genesis 41, 38. I want to give you the scriptures. I want to change your mind. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the anointing, the Spirit of God, the anointing? The Bible in the book of Acts says how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit came down upon Jesus in the river Jordan, Jesus was a 
anointed, filled with the Spirit, anointed, anointed, anointed. Okay, so in other words, Joseph was anointed to lead a nation. That means that anointing will teach him how he should lead the nation. That anointing will teach him how, what laws he should put in to be implemented into the nation. Uh, that anointing will teach him, you understand, how we should go about organizing the nation. Do you all understand it? So he's anointed to lead a nation. He is not going to fall over. He, people are not going to come into his meeting and he is going to have a falling service in his meeting. He is going to say, let's talk about how we can lead the nation. What can we do? Okay. Um, what, does, what is God's perspective about it? Okay. What is God's viewpoint? If you are representatives, you've got to know how God thinks about those things. So he's not going to have a Pentecostal service meeting when he's doing that. He's not going to just say, let's pray for our nation. He's going to know, he's going to have the wisdom, he's going to have the knowledge, he's going to have the understanding, the know-how, he's going to be equipped. The anointing equips. The anointing empowers to accomplish what God has called you to accomplish. Now the reason why I'm saying that is because you've got to learn now. You can ask God. Okay? Otherwise you don't ask God. You just, you just do. Right? So the anointing. And then obviously the way the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you in that setting of work where you find yourself is probably going to be very different to a church setting. Okay? Yeah, Joseph used his gifts in his workplace, but not the way we use it in a church setting. You all understand it? Okay, so it, it, it is, you got to understand, you got to see that you can be anointed to work for God. You can be anointed to come up with ways on how to teach in school. You can be anointed to come up with ways. And then what happens is God will, there, there will be crisis, there will be things. Or when we move into studying Daniel, you will just see that Daniel was a problem solver. Daniel was a man, when there was a crisis, he had the answer. Or if he didn't have it, he could find the answer for the crisis. Any person can tell you the problem. Any person can tell, can tell you, yeah, that is lekker hier by hierdie werkie. Jylle amal is net so en so en so en so. But Daniel wasn't that type of person. Daniel would say, okay, this is what we see, this is the problems, okay, fine. He would come and then he would have the answer. How to sort out the problem. 
He would find out ways. That was anointing. That was being filled with the Spirit to do that. Okay, see, otherwise you can't serve God out there in the workplace. You can't work because whenever God wants to do something, He wants to do it with someone. Don't be secular. Okay? But again, like I'm saying, you can't be, you can't do it in a Pentecostal paradigm. I know I'm using the word Pentecostal a lot this morning, but that's fine. Okay? Because you all know when I use the word Pentecostal, what it is like. Okay? So, and, and to be sort of normal is sometimes difficult. Okay. Uh, go with me to Genesis 30. Verses 23. Okay. And so when you, if you study the book of Proverbs, I think it's in uh, Proverbs chapter 4, chapter 8, I'm not 100% sure now, but I know the, that the book of Proverbs says that wisdom, he says, I wisdom, I'll bring you into promotion into chief places. That means into leading positions. And so in what, what the book of Proverbs is saying, if you're going to be in leading positions, overseer, supervisor, CEO, whatever, he says you're going to need wisdom to lead. You're going to need wisdom to stand there. Your power, you can have power and be a fool. Right? You can, have, you can make people fall and stand in that place and be a fool. It takes wisdom to lead in those places. So if you don't want to learn, and if you are lazy to learn, to educate yourself, complain that, oh, isn't it leery You understand? If, you are, if you've got that mindset, and you are lazy in that area, you're not going to develop, you won't have wisdom that will take you there. You want to have wisdom to stand in those places. You must, that's why the book of Proverbs says, um, you must desire knowledge. You must desire understanding. You must be hungry. You must pursue it more than silver, gold. It is more precious than rubies. You've got to go after these things. You've got to be hungry to learn. You see that? So if you don't, if you don't have that mindset, if you haven't, if you haven't built yourself to consistently learn about your work, learn about where you find yourself. I mean, for example, my, my wife is a, is a school teacher, but she's not teaching at the moment, but she's ever learning. I mean, we just learned last night, first time I heard of bronchitis. Um, it's, it's not bronchitis. It's called bronchitis. When a baby... When it's the first time we've had it with one of our children, and bronchitis is when, is when, a, is when there's inflammation, and here in the chest, and it's and it's also a cough, but it's there's no uh, nose isn't running or anything, and fevers come with it, and certain things, and 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 then they get fast, uh, they breathe fast, and because they breathe so fast, they don't get enough oxygen in into the so. Um, so these type of things, and so actually it's an, and it's come from an infection, so uh, uh, antibiotics won't help, 
So my, you see, but now my wife was studying that. She was now reading about what is this? What is these symptoms? And she came up with bronchitis. Okay. And then they said if the breathing goes too fast and too too high and they can't get good oxygen, that's usually when they get taken up into hospital to help them to get enough oxygen and so on. Um, you understand what I'm saying? So uh, my wife is always reading about kids and these type of things. She's not in she's not even in school anymore, but she's always educating herself, always learning. You can't be lazy. If you want, if you, you otherwise, you will always desire and never have. Wherever you are going to, you got to learn. Right? You got to learn. So where are we? Genesis 30, 23. Okay, now this is this, this chapter is the chapter of where uh, Jacob is married to Leah and Rachel. And Leah just had a lot of children. And Rachel is now going to have her, ch her child. And Joseph is most Rachel's firstborn. Right? And the Bible says, And she conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. Now, did I say approach? Okay. Okay, why will he take away his reproach? Because she called his name Joseph and said, The Lord shall add to me another son. The name Joseph means to add. The name Joseph means to be fruitful. The name Joseph means to increase. In other words, now we're studying a person in whom is the Spirit of God, and we want to see how that spirit, how the spirit of God is functioning through Joseph. So to teach us of an anointing. Okay? So this guy, Joseph, and Jacob had many sons. And he was working for Laban. Okay? We're not going to spiritualize it. The Laban had cattle. He had sheep. He had all those type of things. And... Uh, and then while he was working, the, the, Bible says, the Bible says that Jacob would work seven years for, uh, seven years for, for uh, Rachel first. He was working for Rachel and then he got tricked and was given Leah. And then he had to work another seven years for Rachel. And uh, so he worked that. And then he was always working for Laban. And then the Bible says that... that uh, that Jacob, when he left his father's house, he was blessed by Isaac with the blessings of heaven, the dew of heaven, the fatness of the earth. I mean, so this guy was blessed. This guy should prosper. This guy shouldn't have lack. But when he came to Laban, because Jacob only loved building altars, wherever Jacob went, Jacob built altars. In other words, Jacob liked praying. Worship services. He like, you know, sacrifices. It's all got to do with worship. I want to worship my God. You know, and that's the, the common trait with Christians. All we want to do is we want to worship God. We want to sing songs. We want to love Him. We want to go into fasting and prayers. And we want to just be in His presence. We want to build the altar where we can commune with God. Right? Okay, fine. But Jacob was going to learn by Laban 
that it is not enough just to build altars and see the blessing of God in your life. He was going to have to learn because Laban is a type. In Laban we see a spirit that's at work. Right? That steals salaries, changes salaries. It's a spirit working in a man who has his own business and he is covetous and therefore he doesn't share the prosperity with workers. Right? And so then the workers get, and this is where the strikes will come from because of this gap. So what God is saying is that there needs to be a balance, there needs to be a sharing, sharing of the prosperity because God said to me that, that any business is not, it is because of workers as well, not just because of good leadership skills, but also because of the workers that you have and how they work that helps to make that the business prospers and increases and is fruitful. If, they, if you teach them and so on how to do, they work well and they work for you well. So there needs to be a sharing. Now when Jacob came to Laban's business, the Bible says that Laban said to Jacob, you know, when you came, I, I had little, I had nothing. But when you came, I know the Lord has blessed me because of you. Right? But Jacob never saw the blessing that was on his life. And so in Jacob, we learn, we learn how someone can leave his work, or his, his work and start his own business. Right? To see, because only after, and then Jacob said to Laban when he wanted to leave, Laban said, don't leave, don't leave. You know, and he said, listen, what shall be your wages? And this time he thought Jacob was going to say, was going to say, ach, no, no, this time Jacob had learned. Why? Because he gave birth to a son called Joseph, which is a picture of he now conceived. The, the previous verse, just go to the previous verse. Uh, what is it, 23? And she conceived and bore a son. Where is the place of conception? We did it. Imagination. Deep. Can you conceive the idea that God wants to increase you? Because that's what the name Joseph means. If you can't conceive that idea, we have a prophetic word over us that says it's a time of increase. That word increase is not was not just for me and Marianne, it was for all of us. Can you conceive increase? Can you uh, get it into your idea, into your mind, that, and believe it comes to a place of believing that God wants to increase you? And then, if you can come to that place, you will conceive and you will give birth to an anointing that will start to teach you how to break out into prosperity. Because, the next one, and Rosha added to me another one. And it came to pass, when Rachel had born Joseph, and it said to Laban, the old King James says, and after these things. So in other words, send me away, that I may go to my own place and to my own country. Now all of a sudden, 
Jacob's thinking, nee man. Hier jou verander my salaris tien keer. You see, so, when the Bible says the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy, I mean, all you're thinking is demons. Oh, you, you think your money is disappearing in your house. Or, or something like that. The thief here was Laban. That was stealing the blessings of God. Do you all understand that? And so, when Jacob gave birth to this son called Joseph, all of a sudden, he, now le- he was now learning how to come into the blessing. How to come into prosperity. How to come into increase. Do you understand? I'm talking about an anointing. I'm giving you pictures. I'm helping you understand. Because the Spirit of God can teach you. how. Because Joseph was what? Filled with the Spirit of God. Right. So, what's the next one? Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served you. Let me go for you know my service which I have done for you. Uh, Next one. And Laban said to him, please stay if I have found favor in your eyes. For I have learned by experience that the Lord has blessed me for your sake. You see, if the Lord is going to be recognized by 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 the bosses and the people that you work for, it can, they can only recognize the Lord by experience. How did he experience that the Lord, he said the Lord, I come to know that the Lord has blessed me by experience. Why? Because he says, I think he says it here. Give me the next verse. And he said, name me your wages and I will give it to you. Next one. And Jacob said to him, you know how I have served you and how your livestock has been with me. Next one. For what you had before I came was little and it has increased to a great amount. And the Lord has blessed you since my coming. And now when shall I provide for my own house? Now the, the, what this is telling you is that when you go to your workplace, you have to be a blessing. That's it. Your boss mustn't curse the day you started working for him. Must say yes. He must say, yes, the day you came. They must say, please don't leave. They must say, stay. Don't you want to stay here? Because they recognize that when you're around, it prospers, it flourishes, it moves, it pushes forward. That's the word prosper. The Bible in Genesis 39 says that David was a prosperous man. The word prosperous means to push forward, to advance. That's how the Spirit of God was working in Joseph. It was teaching him how to make things prosperous. It was teaching him how to make things push forward. How to advance it. How to make it prosper, flourish. Be fruitful. Can you all see that? That's how the Spirit of God, the anointing, was teaching him. That's how it was working through him. No one was falling over. No one was crying. Laban wasn't crying. Laban just 
just so, yeah, to be out come. Man, it's just move. Man, it's just flourishing. The, uh, my business has taken a turn. Okay? That's, that's, that's what you've got to be at your workplace. You've got to be a blessing. And the only way that you are going to reveal God is not by having a falling over service. They have got to, by experience, see the Lord. They've got to be able to make clear distinction that since you came, things are moving. Sure. Things are going. Things are flourishing. The testimonies, okay? The kids, the kids in the school, when they're sitting in your class, they're getting the best marks. They're getting, they're doing so well and they're so well, babe. How do you do it? Then when you leave us, you know how many times my, my wife goes to school and then when she goes to Apple, then when, she, when they leave, they bribe her, they tell her, they say, man, we'll, you don't have to work in the afternoon. You can, you can just come in the morning and teach. Just stay. They just love the way she works and, and how the kids respond to and everything. Um, that's what must happen. When you go to your workplace, people must say, don't leave, please. You're just such, it's just such a blessing to have you with us. We just know that when you're around, you understand? If you say, if you like Jacob and say, I think I'm going to leave now, I must say, yes, can't we offer you a bigger salary? Can't we, can't we, uh, what's the problem? You say something, we can work out something. You know, they mustn't, servants say, oh, you want to go? No, that's fine. No problem. It's okay. We'll just replace you. Right? They know we'll just replace you. They mustn't, they mustn't like, yeah. They mustn't say, praise God, you're leaving. <laughs> they mustn't worship God because you're leaving. <laughs> right? That's the wrong kind of praise. To, that's the wrong kind of worship, right, to God. That's not, that's blaspheming his name. Okay, uh, I'm not going to go on there. We'll, we'll continue next time. We'll continue next time on this thing of Joseph. Yeah, but the, the point is there is not, it's not so much the, the worker... Um, or the boss that's mistreating you. The point is there, when we study Jacob, the point is how you must live. That's why the Bible says, when you work, work as unto the Lord. Because the Lord is the one who promotes. There's practical things you can do. You can go to your boss in a respectful way. You can sit with him, talk with him, say maybe what, uh, what is your needs that you have. Um, You've been working, but not in an arrogant way. And yeah, that type of thing. 
But the point here is your consistency with you. And uh, I use Laban, the Lord showed me, I use Laban as an example of how if you have built, because if you study Jacob, you will see that Jacob wasn't a, a, a guy who works with cattle. He was a guy who, who lives in tents. But his brother Esau was a hunter of the field. So when Jacob learned his skill at Laban's business, and then he took that skill and he said, I want my own sheep. So he started his own business on the skill that he learned at his workplace and went to start his own business. But he had to develop character. You understand? He had to be consistent in himself. Do you see that? You all with me? So it's important. Um, many times we can focus so much on the boss or the guy. He's not, you know, he's doing this, he's doing that. The, the, the problem, I think the problem sometimes lies in the confidence that we lack to start our own things. You know, we lack the confidence and maybe the experience and the know-how. And it's actually good to have people who have walked that road, who can father you, who can mentor you into that and tell you all the, the loopholes and those type of things. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay. Um, so, we will continue... Next, I don't know if we'll continue next week, um, but we will continue where I left off. Do you all understand what I'm saying? Okay? Um, so the way you're going to work, and I am going to um, try to get someone in to speak to us some practical things in our workplaces that we can do um, to serve and, and so on. Okay? So you all... Okay, let's just pray. Father, I just pray that again. I've said a lot of things, but I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would reveal what I am saying. Because without you revealing it, we can't understand it. So I pray, Lord, give us that insight. Give us the understanding of what we have heard. In Jesus' name, amen.